Hello everyone and welcome to A2I Dyslexia Podcast, all things dyslexia. We want to thank you all for listening to our podcast that we share on ACAST and the amazing, amazing feedback that we've got from all our listeners across the world. Today's topic is really, really close to my heart. Very interesting topic. And we have an amazing gentleman who's coming to talk to us about dyslexia overcoming difficulties. Now, before I start to introduce Maro Galezzo, I'd like to acknowledge the support that we get from Awards for All Community Fund. We want to say thank you very much for the funding that we've been given so we can continue to inspire the dyslexic community. So like I said earlier, today's topic is dyslexia overcoming difficulties. And I want to introduce Maro Galezzo, who is dyslexia advocate and senior journalist at BBC News. Maro, welcome to A2I Dyslexia Podcast. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very good, thank you. Thank you so much for your time for um, coming on to our podcast as one of our guest um, speakers. It's great to really hear your journey with dyslexia and, you know, how far you've come to, to where you are now. Um, I just wondered if you can kind of tell our listeners a, um, a little bit about you, who you are and what you do and why you are so passionate to make a change in the workplace. OK, so um, I was uh, born in London and um, I grew up in an Italian family um, and I was fortunate to be diagnosed with dyslexia when I was about nine. So relatively young. Um, and I think that was mainly thanks to my mum who uh, pushed the school to refer me. So the school noticed that I had difficulty with spelling and writing and remembering things. So I think my mum was really good at, you know, calling up the head teacher and making sure that the school would, would kind of refer me and give me support that I needed. Um, so I was, so I had support throughout the primary school and then I support throughout high school. So I was lucky to get support throughout university uh, with extra help with exams and extra support with tutors. Um, and then suddenly when I entered the workplace, that kind of support uh, I had, support network stopped and I stopped talking about dyslexia. So I was quite fortunate to get um, work experience at a local newspaper and um, lucky to have a boss you know, I don't think you are dyslexic, but he kind of let me get on with things and kind of learn from my mistakes. So years later, I realised that they were quite a couple of dyslexic traits I had that I didn't realise at the time. But he was very understanding, very supportive kind of boss. And that really helped me kind of flourish in the early starts of my career, kind of doing interviews, doing video editing, thinking about things and going on stories and and and, and kind of meeting people as well. And, and you know, growing and becoming confident as, as, as I grew. Um, when I changed jobs, kind of in my mid-20s, I changed jobs into, I moved into broadcasting and I moved into quite a kind of a, quite a stressful job, kind of kind of high-pressure job. My dyslexia kind of really kind of took the forefront where it's where spelling mistakes were being spotted. Um, there were grammar, grammatical errors, there were inaccuracies. And I was really, at that time, I was still, I was scared about disclosing. I didn't tell anybody that I was dyslexic. And it was only when I was made redundant um, after two years in that job that I finally told management that I was dyslexic. And they and they, what they said to me is like, oh, you know, if, if you told us, if you'd mentioned to us at the time, we would have um, maybe given you a different job, given you support and so on. So when that kind of experience kind of shaped me in quite a big way. I had a couple of years where I was freelancing and then I joined the BBC in 2017. And I think that kind of experience that I had was, was quite important to me. So when I started the BBC, I felt quite comfortable telling people that I was dyslexic and that I needed help because I didn't want to go through that experience that I'd been through. 
And I was quite lucky. Management were quite supportive, probably not really understanding kind of what what they had to do, but they were all say, let me know what you need. Let us know how we can help you, help me with, with subbing, with checking things over, giving me extra time to do some work. And um, it was only up until about two years ago where I wrote a piece about um, dyslexia in the workplace. So I managed to get that commissioned, which I was quite pleased about um, for, for the website. And uh, on the back of that, Couple, somebody got in touch with me from the dyslex, from the neurodiversity network at the BBC saying that they were looking to set up an, a new network and if I was interested in joining. And I think this was quite kind of, yeah, I think it was revolutionary for me because I'd not, up until then in my career, I might have met people who are dyslexic but not had a conversation with them or not really spoken to them. And uh, suddenly meeting people who who were dyslexic, who, who, who were like me, I could ha- kind of find a safe space in that place and, and, and talk to them. Now, it's really, I mean, I, I just love just hearing where you started off and how your mother was the one that realised or recognised that there might be um, a learning difference or learning difficulties. How did your mum come to find that out? Is that maybe reading to you as a child and felt like maybe your spelling and reading was a little bit slower than, I mean, I don't know if you've got brothers or sisters or pity, you know, younger siblings. And is that how she picked that up? Because that's really fortunate. Yeah. So I think, um, I think it was kind of reading to me and, and, and kind of helping me with my homework and seeing how many spelling mistakes there were. And also I had a younger sister as well, who she was, she's not dyslexic and she was picking up things quicker the age that I did. So I think, and I think it was when, when I managed to kind of, we went to the school they were like oh there might be something wrong with him but my mum was like oh there's nothing wrong with him he's absolutely mm-hmm. fine he's he's you know he's chatty he talks to people there's nothing wrong with him but he has trouble with spelling and and and, and remembering things so I think it was just recognizing that there was some that there was issue that had to be fixed that needed help with that then made her then go to the school and then say look can we can we find out what this is because he's absolutely fine he's a good kid I hope she said that <laughs> and then uh, and then she was like and um, said that you know he's just the spelling and the grammar so I think that's what, what what I got help with so I got referred when I was quite young I think I was nine and I remember going to kind of to, I can't what it was but I remember going to, to, to meeting a doctor and kind of going through the tests and doing spelling and then getting suddenly being getting extra support by giving those kind of early laptops and help with extra help with homework and grammar um and that kind of was I think it was that thanks to my mum actually because I, I know a lot of people aren't as fortunate to be diagnosed yes. early age yeah and yeah. I could have gone through okay I knew that I had these 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 learning difficulties so I knew I'd always acknowledged it mm-hmm. um, but I think it was just thanks to my mum who who kind of helped me acknowledge it at an early age I think. That's really fantastic now you're from an Italian background so how was dyslexia viewed within your community? Yeah so I think it was I'd had the two things because I was talking Italian until I was quite little and then suddenly had to learn English mm-hmm. so I think it was yeah it, it's I was you know I had my grandparents talking to me in Italian mm. and I had my school speaking in English as well. So I had quite a lot of different languages, which helps. It can, can help a child's development mm. as well. Yeah. But I think it was... Um, is, is, is it seen as a taboo? Do people talk about it? I, I never spoke about it within oh, my family at the time. Yeah. So I don't think it was anything that's probably not known yeah. Yeah. as well. So it's yeah. not something that, that, that was thought about. Because I normally say we're really fortunate. I mean, in the UK, you can actually feel... Well, I, I'm very confident to say that I have dyslexia and I'm not looked at in any way. I'm not sort of judged or 
I mean, you know, it depends on where you are. In a workplace, maybe you might find some challenges. But if I sort of met a friend or somebody or colleague and I said, well, actually, because I'm dyslexic, this is why things take me a bit slower. It's not really frowned upon, you know, so to speak. But I know within my community, we am from West Africa, and within my community, uh, within the Ghanaian community, it's just something that people would either dismiss it or think it's a myth or think that you're like, come on, you cannot be, you know, you cannot have this disability. Yeah, it's, I think it's interesting because it's when I, because I did uh, spend a couple of years in Italy, mm-hmm. had to learn Italian on top of having to learn English as well. Mm-hmm. And I was, the, 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 the level of kind of grammar is quite high there and the kind of past tenses. And I really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. And they put it down to a lot of like my um, initiates because I was English. So they saw, oh, it's, it's not your dyslexia, it's because you're English. Mm-hmm. Um, as with my sister, obviously, as I said, she was younger, she picked up Italian really quickly. So it wasn't because I was English, it was on top of learning a new language. I also had dyslexia as well. Yes, but for a long time, all, I remember a lot of the teachers when I was in Italy were saying, oh, it's because he's English, he's struggling with this. And it was, that was part true, but I think it was also my dyslexia that also made it harder as well. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, it's such a blessing that mum picked that up really quick. And obviously you had the diagnosis and that's kind of, would you say that really has helped you through your education and your work and life? Obviously, yeah. when you're diagnosed later, it's like, what? You know, you would have gone through a lot of struggles before getting to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it helped me a lot in my my childhood and, and my education. I think it, it falls short. Um, things might have changed now, but I think it falls short when you go into the workplace. Mm-hmm because suddenly you lose that safety network. You know, your mum can't come to with you to work, for example. <laughs> so you have to suddenly go into workplace and prove yourself. And there's a lot of, you know, especially when you come out, you want to work experience, you want to work hard. Um, so I think that I'd found that, that when I finished um, university, suddenly I, I, dyslexia wasn't, I, I didn't factor it in. It wasn't, um, it, obviously I still had it and I still was living with it, yeah. but I never really, really, um, I, I never really, I never had that support in my workplace that I had in my education. Yeah, yeah, it's always a challenge in a workplace, isn't it? Which brings me on to my first question, actually, for this podcast. How was it for you disclosing? How important was it for you to disclose your dyslexia in the workplace? So, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I, I certainly didn't think about disclosing my dyslexia in my early days in my workplace. It never came up. I never spoke about it. I think it was only with with experience and the experiences I had and and how many years I've been in in the industry that I felt more comfortable to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I realized actually when I did disclose it, it wasn't such a big issue. But I think it was. But also, I think it's harder when you're starting out, because if especially if a job requires you to do writing or remembering or to do those kind of, you know, the, the, your spelling as well. It's hard to disclose, I think, when you're younger. And I think it is after you've been there for a couple of years, you've got a bit more experience um, that you feel, I felt then a bit more comfortable talking about it. Yeah. So I think yeah. it was, it wasn't a thing where I went to HR. I just started talking to my bosses and said, look, I've got dyslexia. I need some help. Can you sub this video for me? Can you sub my text for me? Extra pair of eyes. And I always used to say that, can I have an extra pair of eyes, please? <laughs> so I, I think that's that, that came with kind of just confidence and with with, with age as well, I think. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do appreciate it. it's not easy at all to dis- disclose when you're starting out in your career. Yeah, I'll be really honest with you. I mean, in the past when I'd, I'd gone and applied for jobs, it was like, do I say it or do I not say it? So um, some application forms I'll put on there that I have dyslexia. And believe it or not, Myro, I will not hear from them. And some application I'll put it on there and maybe I'll get the interview. And when I get to the workplace, I'm like really struggling. They'll say to me, 
well, what can we do to make work like your work life easier? And maybe I'll mention all my gadgets and all the laptops and all the things that I need. But you still feel like there's this heavy load on you because part of my dyslexia is I have to work in total silence. I can't work with too much noise going on. So if it's an open plan office and phones are ringing and people are talking about, I don't know, extenders or whatever they watched last night, it completely throws me. And all of a sudden, my concentration is somewhere else. Um, so it can be a little bit challenging. And of course, my sort of color overlay for my laptop is blue. So when I'm sitting by my PC, I've got blue glasses on, blue tints, everything's blue. It's like, oh, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb. And you feel a bit odd. However, I would say, in my opinion, and I think you might um, sort of back me up on this, it might be best to disclose, because then you can get the help you need, isn't it, to try? Yeah, and I think things are changing, I think, compared to when, definitely when I started out, there's a lot more companies kind of talking about neurodiversity, embracing it, and HR are starting to wake up on it as well. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's still fully understood. But, um, for example, Universal Music, there's a couple of uh, big companies that are making neurodiversity a big part of what of the, what they're doing as well. So I don't know. It'd be nice that one day somebody could disclose and not only just say, OK, here's the support you need, but great, you're dyslexic, you're autistic. We've got a perfect opportunity, perfect position for you because we know that you can excel in this. That would be you know, amazing if that could happen one day. I think we're still not there yet, but I do think there is progress that is 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 being made where is people are a bit more comfortable. And I also find, you know, you see a lot of younger people on TikTok or social media talking about it. Yeah. They're a lot more confident than I when I was as a kid. And I I see that as well on social media. So Absolutely. you know, they're probably a bit more confident going into workplace talking about it and disclosing it. Now you and I know that dyslexic creativity slide is this a gift for us. And I mean, somewhere like a broadcasting corporation is perfect place to work. It's all sort of creativity. Now, what I, I found really fascinating and I was really amazed and I just couldn't stop. Like when I first spoke to you, you know, dyslexic and you're, you write, don't you? You're a journalist. So I'm like, yeah. how does he do that? Share that with us. How do you really? So, yeah. So I don't write as often as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also come down to changing roles but I've realized that when I was writing in my previous role when I was writing an article a day or one or two three articles a day I struggled because you know you've got your you've got to get you've got a deadline as soon as you've got a deadline there's there's stress and then you need to get your typos right and your accuracies right so I write now but uh, like a couple of times a year maybe depending when I've got a story to tell so I'm lucky to be at the moment where I position where I can pitch a story and pitch a story that I know that I can do as well and actually have the time to go and do it. So I think, you know, with dyslexics, I think we're good at visualising sometimes, visualising the story, realising what we're going to do. And then despite what a lot of people say, I think dyslexics, uh, we're quite good at talking to people, having communication with people. So I love the interview stage of it as well. So having my iPhone with recording as well and then, just chatting to somebody and having an interview and then and then afterwards the, the dreading going back an hour to go an hour interview to go back and find a couple of quotes that's the harder part mm. but I think having the time to do it I think that's it's helped me think okay I've, I've written I've had this idea I want to do this story I've pitched it to the right editor the editor knows that I need a bit more time and then I can then go off and do the interviews and, and then and then the hardest part is is the actual writing and putting it together and changing it, you know, changing it so many times until it's right. And then you still submit it and then you still think more can be done to improve it. But I think that's I think years ago I, I used to get stressed and I used to think, oh, this is me. Why am I struggling with this? But now I think 
I'm embracing it a bit more, thinking, okay, this is my dyslexia. Processing it, how I'm writing the article is different than maybe I was done doing five, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. So what sort of advice would you have for the younger generation or some a younger person who is an aspiring journalist or want to get into broadcast and probably think, oh, would I be able to do this because of my specific learning difficulties, i.e. dyslexia and so forth? What advice would you give to that young person? Two things that I think would be the first thing, I think, be kind on yourself. Mm. I think it can be very frustrating at times having dyslexia, and especially in a society that you need to be, everything to be perfect, good spelling, good grammar. And I think being kind on yourself and actually realising that you can make mistakes and it does take time. I think that's one advice I would give. Um, And secondly, I think the advice I would give is to find other people like like ourselves and other people who are dyslexic and just join communities, talk to people. And it's amazing that when you meet people, when you meet other dyslexics, that you're suddenly like so much you learn about yourself and so much you realise, oh, I didn't re- didn't realise that that's so much like me and, you know, something you know, muddling up my words or something like that as well. And you don't feel as alone, yeah. I think. So I think that would be my two kind of, two, th- two tips, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know you're a proud dyslexic and you champion for neurodiversity at um, your workplace. So tell me a little bit about that network and how that became um, what it is today. So the, the network is still is kind of going through the process of kind of being recognised. Um, and I think it's just p- people coming together and and, and recognising the need of, of having a neurodiversity network. There's a lot of organisations that are kind of going through that same process and journey. And and I think it's to help help the staff or help the the journalists that we have within the BBC who so we, I think we set up ourselves about as unofficial about a year and a half ago and it's already had kind of 100 members so there are people within the, the organization who are dyslexic or autistic or ADHD who haven't really thought about it or thought about it themselves and actually to find a community and network I think that's I think that's been really beneficial I think yeah, and I'm just thinking a lot of organisations should really be going that way, to be honest, because sometimes we just feel alone. I mean, when I was working in, in a corporate industry, I just used to feel it's just me. Yeah. You know, and the amount of times I'd spend in the staff room or the toilet crying because I just thought it was just me. And if if there is a network, you could always sort of, you know, bounce off somebody for an idea or, you know, just like you said, when you meet another dyslexic, oh, what a relief. I'm not, I'm not alone in this, yeah. you know, I'm not the only one that is struggling to understand what is, what I'm meant to do, processing information or following directions or forgetting people's names or whatever it might be, you know, and I think it's such a fantastic work that you, you, you know, yourself and, and the other members in that um, neurodiversity network is doing and continue to keep doing that work. Is there any sort of last words you want to say to our listeners? Yeah, I just, um, I think I just kind of, the kind of the overcoming dyslexia I think there's there's a lot of my time and and other people I don't know if other people feel the same but there's a lot of time where I where I was you know making lists think working really hard strategic thinking and I I always thought that was me um working hard despite of my dyslexia or overcoming my dyslexia but I think as I've met more people who are dyslexic and I've spent more time I've realized that it's I've done all that because of my dyslexia so it's a just small change but for me it's been quite important and I'm hoping other people can then you might think oh well you know I can't do this because of my dyslexia or something as well and actually I have done this because of my dyslexia not despite my dyslexia I think just that change in my mind and I'm hoping you know a lot of other people hopefully think that 
actually their dyslexia is you know they, they call it a superpower and, and so on but you know if if, if a kid or, or a child or somebody just starting out in the career just thinks their dyslexia in a different way than they've been brought up or they thought about it I think it just suddenly changes your outlook on, on your work or on your life as well absolutely absolutely that's absolutely fantastic thank you so much Arrow for coming thank on you. the Year Dyslexia podcast all things dyslexia. Thank you very much. And I think I'll kind of forget to mention a little bit more that you do there. So an advocate of a diverse and inclusive workforce and part of a neurodiversity network at BBC, and you also have a passion for storytelling and digital journalism. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to our podcast. I want to thank our listeners um, that listen to our podcast every week. And also a very big thank you to our funders awards for all. Um, and I want to just say to everyone that's listening, please do tap into um, you know the work that Mario's doing. If you know him on LinkedIn or whatever, follow him on there. But Mario, just share your um, the article that you wrote. What's the title of the article that you wrote for the BBC? So the title is um, Why We Need to Talk About Dyslexia at Work, and it's on the BBC Work Life. BBC Work Life. Now, I'm sure some of our um, listeners might just go and read up about that because that we do get lots of phone calls at HY Dyslexia to do with workplace, people not understanding what dyslexia is and how people can get bullied in the workplace and so forth. So um, your article is absolutely fantastic when I read it. And well done for, for writing that. And continue with the good work that you're doing. And I want to say thank you very much for coming on to HY Dyslexia Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So to our listeners, we'll see you next week, same time, same place. And um, bye-bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire All Things Dyslexia podcast is funded by Awards for All. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.